sumptuous dining room of the vast manor belonging to Zion's wealthy overseer, Ethel downed another glass of wine. Her host, as evidenced by his reddish cheeks and lumbering manner, had clearly already had plenty. You know what's the trouble? What? Jews. Jew scientists, Jew doctors, Jew astronomers, all stars and gaseous bodies and what have you. Do you know they say the sun is a million times larger than the earth and millions of millions of miles away? What sort of nonsense is that? Who builds a house in Illinois and puts the lamp to light it way out in Wisconsin? That would be quite unusual, unless it was a very big lamp. You see, they're jealous is what they are. I know it. Because their god isn't as good as our god. I hear they have a similar way of thinking in Germany. Smart of them. Protestants, aren't they? Some of them. Hmm, I thought so. No Catholic could ever think that up. They're halfway to Judaism themselves. Why did you call yours the Christian Catholic Church, then? Not the catchiest, isn't it? Oh, that wasn't me. That was... Dowie, some mad Australian. He founded Zion, built the tabernacle, dressed up like some school pageant Moses. What happened to him? <laughs> I sent him packing back to kangaroo land, as he deserved. Took over the outfit myself. <laughs> and you've done very well for yourself, haven't you? Oh, yes. Uh, Jonathan, bring another bottle. Didn't you drink only buttermilk? A man can't live on buttermilk. Neither did the Lord intend him to. A man should have... appetites. Don't you think so, Miss Kunstler? That would depend on the appetite. And the man. Mm hmm. Come with me. You'll like this. Where? The attic. I've got something very special up there. Something I don't often show to... female callers. Despite her extreme unease, the armed policemen just outside made it impossible for Ethel to refuse. They climbed the marble stairs, Voliva visibly swaying, and entered a small room which, to her relief, was clearly not a bedroom. Instead, it housed some filthy throw pillows, a bucket, and a half-dead man with tonsured hair. A sight quite incongruous with the overseer's obvious pride in his property. Quite something, eh? Mr. Voliver, who is that man? Oh, him? We call him Monk. That's on account of the hair. I suppose so. What is he doing here? He is my secret, Miss Winifred. I'm a Miss Kunzler, sir. So you are. What was I saying? Your secret. Yes, he may look like an ordinary madman, but in fact, he is quite an extraordinary madman. Let's see if he's willing to demonstrate tonight. Brother? Mm. Give us your wisdom. I can't understand what he's saying. Have some patience. He gets more audible as he goes. And now lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Oh, Genesis. I could have said that. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Flaming sword. 
Yes, scripture tells us angels are possessed of such fierce things, and they say the sight of an angel is a terrifying thing indeed. Can I ask him questions? Feel free. Just don't expect much in the way of a straightforward answer. The poor fellow only knows scripture. Do you know about a phantom? It comes at night and takes people on trains away into the sky. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Galatians, he's quite remarkable, isn't he? God's madman, truly. I found him on the railroad tracks near here, just sitting there. Like he didn't care if a train came or not. I admire that. Remarkable. Though, of course, if he was God's madman, then he wouldn't let a thing like that befall him. Ha! Your God is kinder than mine. Though I am called to serve him, I know he is not my friend. No, not by any stretch. What is he then? He's the same as I am. An overseer. He gives us tools and his laws and lets the best man win. Why else would he make the earth a flat bowl? Nature's most perfect arena? Through struggle, we achieve godliness. The Bible, Miss Harwood, is the first book of free enterprise. Natural selection. Like that fellow Darwin says. Yes, yes. What? No, that Caiaphas, godless Jew. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly. Spoke! Spoke! He's a little confused sometimes. That's all right. Do you think I might question him further? Oh, well, if you must. I thought we might retire. It's getting late. There's a curfew, you know. Very strictly enforced. You're right! Shouldn't I be getting back to the barking house then? Would it want to set a bad example? Perhaps. Or perhaps you could... Ugh. Thank goodness. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the seed of our father. You like Genesis, don't you? And he said unto the woman, Yea. Hmm. Now tell me, what do you know? And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Have you been up there? To that place in the sky. The princes, also of Pharaoh, saw her and commanded her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Very well. Take my hand. We're leaving this place. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. I couldn't take him up. After you? Please. For a man in his condition, the monk proved surprisingly spry. In a matter of moments, they had both leapt from the second floor window right into a well-placed topiary. The policemen inside, believing their employer to still be in the dining room, took no notice. With all the speed they could manage, the odd pair began to head back into town in the darkness. Somewhere far away, Lachi was on a journey of her own just now nearing completion. As she and Solgavel reached the foot of the mountains, the mist dispersed to reveal the charred remains of a small village. What happened here? Mr. Solgavel? A tragedy. A 
light came down from the sky and burned the city to the ground. Not a soul survived. Hold on. Are you saying... This was the Pharaoh's doing. His cruelty knows no bounds. When was this? When? Time is not my strong suit. But it was many years before your own tragedy. That I can tell you. Why? Can you tell me why he does such awful things? This burning was part of his twelfth campaign against the Sovereign of Dreams and the rightful court of Ultramarine. A small garrison was placed here. It was simpler, I believe, to dispose of the entire area. So y'all are at war with each other? Why ain't you carpet bomb the hell out of him already? I don't know what relevance carpets have in this scenario. To answer your question, he was defeated after much bloodshed and sacrifice. His corpse, which still carried great power even in death, was imprisoned for the remainder of eternity in an impenetrable sarcophagus deep within his own pyramid. But that has not stopped him from planning his resurrection. How can he plan anything if he's dead? Have you not spoken to the departed yourself? In Slumberland, death is no more than an inconvenience. But for the Pharaoh, it means everything. He and his subordinates will go to any length to reverse it, even if it means restaging past sins. That's what this all is. Just a, a reenactment. Something like that. But he did not count on you, or your remarkable abilities. Can I fly up there again, Mr. Soulcavel? I already did once. I can just go right in that damn pyramid and just, and just settle all of this, once and for all. The opening of the pyramid is governed by an occult algorithm of great complexity, like the moon and the tides. Would require precise calculation. But I could do it. I really could. One thing at a time. First, you must... What? Creation? It's not coming from here. It's gotta be from back in Zion. By the great Gigi. You aren't in trouble, are you, my liege? Um, not sure... With great effort, Lottie opened her eyes, dispelling the sight of the village, and beheld a policeman wearing the same uniform as the others, looming over her. He eyed her with a suspicion, and his hand hovered near his club. She blinked, taking in the situation, and stammered, Uh, mm. You a sleepwalker? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, officer, that's right. You alone? You looked like you was talking to somebody. I sleep talk too. You know there's a curfew, miss? Yeah, sorry. My head was in the stars just now, officer. I'll head straight home, if you'll point the way. Just a minute. What stars would those be? It's just an expression. I sometimes dream I'm flying up there. From here to Mars and Jupiter and all them other ones. The other what? The planets. You know, the ones that go around the sun. That's blasphemy you're talking. The overseer said we shouldn't have that kind of talk in this town. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just confused, officer. Could you take me home? I think I'll take you to the station, and we'll figure things out from there. No, no, uh, please don't. I just want to go back home, please. This town ain't no home for disbelievers. Now either you come quietly or- huh. In a single motion, Soul Gavel leapt out of the shadows, moving impossibly fast despite his great bulk drew his great sword and lopped off the officer's arm at the elbow. The severed limb and the club it had lately held flew several feet, only to land rather sadly on the pavement beside Lottie, already scared out of her wits. 
As for the officer, he let out a scream and ran for his life, clutching the bleeding stump. The knight smoothly sheathed his blade and turned to his liege. He won't be troubling you any longer. Golly, you chopped his arm off. That is correct. Now I must be off. I wish you the greatest of luck. Take care. Thanks. I'll try, I guess. That is sufficient. Adieu. Okay. Okay. Time to go. With her heart still beating from the close shave and trying not to look at the bloody, solitary arm beside her, Lottie picked herself up and set off for the boarding house. Finding it was a challenge, as they'd only been in Zion a single day, but eventually she arrived without any other unfortunate encounters with policemen. When she did so, however, she found her friend unexpectedly returned, with an added guest. Ethel! Lieselot, thank God! We didn't know where you'd got to! For this, my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. Hold on, who's he? No idea. He just keeps saying Bible verses and rooting around the luggage. I told you, his name is Monk. He knows about the Phantom. Ethel? He's wacko. I know, but that doesn't mean he doesn't know things. Two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen he gave unto the sons of Merari according unto their service under the hand of Ithamar the son of Aaron the priest. But unto the sons of Kohath he gave none. Really? What's the matter, Lottie? Where did you get to? I was worried about you. Yeah, she seemed real upset, Ethel. You needn't have. That fool can't even hold his liquor. I think I might have done something bad. What did she do? Hush! What did you do, Lottie? A policeman caught me, and he was going to take me to the station, so I cut his arm off. You what? Gosh! Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house. Hey, could you cut that out? What in damnation did you cut his arm off with? A sword. You got a sword? Where do you keep it's it? It's not my sword. I borrowed it. Who's going round Zion loaning out swords in the middle of the night? We don't have to discuss this right now. As far as I'm concerned, it's just another reason to skip town. Now. Tonight. But we just unpacked. The hobos, Marianne. Packing takes five minutes. Not if you're careful. I don't think it's viable for us to stay any longer. Not with him, at any rate. Then they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And Jonah said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. There's an idea. Arm chopping and Bible nut kidnapping aside, we haven't done anything wrong here. Give them back and I bet they'll be understanding. Can you hear yourself? Defending these people? Do you just want a job at any cost? I know what it's like to be desperate. I know where that leads you. A night train through Death Valley. In an empty space where your sister should be. That's exactly it. Don't you see? He can take us to him. You can have your revenge. Maybe find your sister- Ethel, you okay? Don't you say her name. She's gone. That monster got her, and I have no desire whatsoever to see it again. And have it take away more folks I care about. 
Well, you don't have to worry about that now. I wish you the best of luck. That's it? You're just going? Going and leaving one of your own behind? I didn't want it to be this way, Rhonda. But this is the way it is. Come on, everybody. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent- Shut your fruitcake up, won't you? Rhonda, it doesn't have to be this way. Just come with us. You don't want to stay in the screwy town, do you? You should stay, Marianne. You're not going to find anything better out there. Not in this country, at least. But, but, uh, I was gonna... Ethel, we can't just... Make your choice, Marianne. You have ten seconds. Ten seconds? That ain't fair. That ain't any same amount of time to do serious deliberation. Nine. Ten. And it's up. We're going. Come if you want. Lottie, open the door for me, please. Hey! Hey, wait! Just make your pick one way or the other. Can't have it both ways in this life. Uh, I'm real sorry, Rhonda. I know. Stay safe, all right? And don't you go near that monster. Not for anything, you hear? Uh Uh-huh. Um, bye. Wait, everybody, I'm coming with you. She ran out of the room and down the stairs, just managing to catch up with the party as they were leaving the building neutering whatever stealth they had on their side for good measure. Fortunately, it seemed no policemen were in earshot, allowing them to proceed quietly down the street towards the train tracks. This worked just fine until they arrived there and found, to their great concern, a distinct lack of trains. Shit! I heard them saying the night flyer stopped sometime before eleven. We must have missed it. That mean... We got nowhere to go? Not without boosting an automobile. You know how to do that, Lottie? No. That figures, I suppose. Now you, Marianne? I ain't never ridden in an automobile. Why do I ask? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Only thing for it. We'll set up behind that ditch there and hold on. Something or other's bound to stop by soon enough. Couldn't we have held on back in the boarding house? Th- they'd be waiting for us in the morning, Marianne. Come here and keep quiet. So that's what they did. For hours they waited into the deepest part of the night. Four to five in the morning. The time some call the devil's hour. When evil things hold sway. What would prove true enough? But we're not there yet. Though Ethel and Lottie stayed up talking while the other two nodded off, it was some time until their talk turned to the subject foremost in both their minds. How do you know that monk knows something? He's dropped enough hints. Haven't had a chance to give him a proper interrogation yet. But I'm sure he's got plenty of goodies to give out. Though we might need to give him a proper shake first. But I mean, do you really think he can help us catch cold cough? I mean, the Phantom. I have hope. Isn't that all we really have in the end, Lizelot? I suppose. What do you hope for? That's a hard question. What makes you ask it? I thought it might be going back home. But you're happy you left there, ain't you? I don't have a home any longer. It was taken from me. I'm sorry. I'm real sorry, Ethel. You too, yeah? 
Me what? You're like me. I saw it in your eyes from the beginning. Your home was taken as well. Well, if I taken, you mean disintegrated by a flying saucer. Yeah, that's about right. But you gained something too, didn't you? A purpose. A power. Actually, I... I used to think I could only live in the middle of some story. As opposed to the real world. I couldn't stand who I was, where I was. Now, uh... I don't know. I'm better, I guess. But I'm not whole in a way I wasn't back then, too. You think killing this phantom will fix it all? I don't care about killing him. I just want him to give me back my ma. She's all I got left, you know. And maybe then I can... Well, it's complicated. Tell me. It sounds a little goofy. Believe me, I've heard goofier. Whatever it is. Well, see, I had a dream. One second. Do you hear that? Which way is it coming from? I don't care so long as it's away from here. Marianne! Huh? What's the matter, Ma? Quinn fell in the butter jar again? I'm not your Ma. There's a train coming. R- really? Oh boy, I see it! I, I see it! Hallelujah! You know, you took the words right out of my mouth. Officer! Funny kind of time to be awake, huh? I might say the same to you and your companions. Oh, uh, uh we was just... I'm, I mean, I, I was alone. Save it. I figured y'all out from the start, didn't I? I said y'all were heathens spreading irreligion and discord. And look it, you ain't even been here a day and you already got the whole Zion guard on your backs. Actually, I believe you only said irreligion. There was no mention of discord. I'm gonna do you like you deserve, you Jezebel. You ready? You bet I am. (coughs) Ethel, stay back. Hold the others, boys. They're up next. Sure thing, Chief. You can't do this. We got rats. Heathens ain't got no rats. Ain't you read the Ten Commandments? And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt... Thanks, Rich. I don't need no Sunday school lesson, thank you very much. Oh, look at that. Looks like you missed your train, ladies. Guess you're stuck here. At least now I can say... Jesus. Why, you... Officer. What? Could you please beat on me instead? You can hit me as many times as you like. I got news for you, sister. I'm beating on all of yous. You can be next, if you like. Do you think you could swap us around, then? Let her heal a bit so she can take more when you come back to her? Hmm. Fine. Rich, bring the brunette broad over here. Lottie, don't! Don't worry, Ethel. It'll all be alright. Will it? Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hands of the wicked. Oh. We'll see about that, won't we? Now, miss... Sorry, officer, before you start, can I ask one more thing? You're joking, ain't you? I'd like to be blindfolded, else I think I'll scream very loud. Might wake the townsfolk. (sighs) Rich, blindfold the broad. Thank you. Now, might we get started? Whenever you're ready, officer. Hell, I'm ready. Ah! Huh? Broad's made of granite? Maybe she's the one that chopped up old Zachariah. Don't matter. I'll teach her. 
He raised his club high to deliver another blow, only for Lottie to whip around in a flash and strike him in the chin with his own good book, which seemed as hard as pure diamond. He went flying in a perfect parabolic arc, landing five yards away, his gruesomely broken nose spewing blood everywhere. The other officers in the posse didn't quite know what to do. Another one stepped forth and tried the same technique as his superior, receiving the same result. After that, they all piled in simultaneously, hoping to overwhelm their opponent through sheer numbers. They beat her and grappled her, but she would not submit. Every strike felt like hitting an ancient rock face, and was about as effective. The book in her hands, however, plowed through their soft flesh like a rolling pin through the softest dough. She fought with an eerie calm like one in a trance, and never uttered a word. When it was all finished, she simply stood there, among the broken bodies, still clutching the bloodied Bible, which had laid low the entire Zion police in a bright burst of irony. Ethel pulled herself up and went to her. What are you doing? She's possessed or something. She can't tell it's you. I think she can. I'll just get this off. There. Hello. Welcome back to the Viking world. Oh. Ah. Golly. I got them all, huh? You sure did. I'm not going to ask how. I dreamt I was a stone statue. I suppose that explains it. It sure doesn't. Regardless. If you feel up to it, we've got a train to catch. Absolutely. Just give me a hand. Of course. Come on, everybody. Despite their youngest member only being able to walk with shoulder support, the group caught up to the train with time to spare. As it pulled away from the city of Zion, at this hour looking deceptively peaceful, they sighed in relief. No longer able to stand, Lottie lay down in the straw and soon fell into slumber once more. Monk, too, slept. Ethel smiled, that smile of hers again. Marianne, however, remained dissatisfied. Okay, uh, ain't no one gonna explain that all to me? I feel like since I brought up them zombies, none of your talks made a lick of sense. Heh, <laughs> sorry, Marianne. In all the excitement, I suppose I forgot to keep you up to speed. Let's see now. You remember the Phantom story? Of course. That was just last night Rhonda was talking about him. Goodness me, it was. What a day, eh? Don't change the subject. Tell me. All right, all right. So it seems he isn't undead after all. What in the heck is he then? If you let me talk, I can... Oh, no. What? What happened? It is not over. That sounds like... Oh, no, no, no. Jesus Christ, please! He's out there. It's one of us he wants. Don't say that! It might... It might just be the wind! Yeah, it's always just the wind. Lottie, I'm here. It's not the wind. Huh? Somebody there? It's all right, Lisa Lottie. Go back to sleep. Sounded like <laughs> Cold Coffee. What kind of name is that? His. 
That stunt back there hurt, you know. Not to mention I was rather attached to that ship. But no matter. You're mine now. She is not! You can't have a monster! Oh gosh! Oh god! All you like, you can't come in! Who said anything about coming in? Imagine how it must smell in there. What's your plan then? Same as it's always been. Take the weakest first. Lottie! Lottie, are you still. Lottie! Are you still there? I can't see right. I'm here. What about Marianne? Oh, oh no. Marianne! Marianne! Say something! <laughs> oh boy! That really never gets old. How does he do it? How did he take her? He takes them someplace else, in their heads, the same way I do it. The Chevalier's trained you, clearly. I won't fall for any of the silly brand of tricks again. I told you already, you're mine. You can't take me. I'm staying right here. Let's see. <laughs> Lisa Lotta, hang on. It'll be alright. You believe that? You believe that? Yes, I believe it. You make me believe it. I'm not strong enough. I wasted it. I did just what he told me not. You've done superbly, mine Elizalotte. Just a little mark to go. And we'll be in the clear. I can't. I can't. I can't anymore. It's all right. Hey. It's all right. I'm here. I'm right here. This isn't the end for you, Elizalotte. I know that much. Damn it! Give up! Give up! Finally, she couldn't hold on any longer. In a blink of an eye, she was on the great frozen lake, ice stretching out in every direction. An appropriate location for Cold Coffin's hunting grounds. And there he was, just as he had been before, apparently not harmed whatsoever by the grisly ends of their previous encounter. At his feet was Mary Ann, clearly terrified into paralysis. Just as Lottie reached out to speak to her, he grinned and whipped out his sword, cutting her throat with unconcealed delight. After letting her body fall face forward to Lottie's horror, he held his weapon aloft and lit it on fire once more. How about that duel now? Go f fuck yourself. What? No sporting spirit? You lemons never cease to disappoint. Good to finish this now. Put a fine ending flourish on this whole wretched excursion. How does that sound? You serve a dead man. What's in it for you? I am of no consequence. Nothing but a vehicle for the rightful restoration of the Midnight Pharaoh. You'll get front row seats for it. Excited? Um, no, not... No! 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 I was so close! So... So... The Baron was left to stare at the hole in the ice through which his quarry had fallen, and ponder wildly who could be to blame for his latest defeat. For Ethel and Monk in the boxcar, Lottie's return produced the opposite emotions, though Lottie shared her opponent's bewilderment. There she is. Thank God. I'm back. 
Thank you, monk, for that. Mm-hmm. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. I could have helped earlier if I'd only figured out what he was saying. What? You bait him with scripture? In a manner of speaking, it's a code, you see. Psalm 23, 6. Genesis 4, 17. The numbers. It was the numbers all along. How did you bring me back? He got me. I lost. He killed Marianne. I only wish we could have saved her. It really isn't so difficult. Every dream has a pathway to it. Every pathway is governed by sacred numbers. All you need to do to get where you want to go is find the right ones. It so happens that Monkey has been to Cold Coffin's hunting camp before. He had them marked in the good book. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. So that's it. He's gone. For now. You're safe. Ethel. Oh, Ethel. He killed her right in front of me, and I couldn't do a thing to stop him. There, there. It's not your fault. You hear me? Don't you dare say it was your fault. But if I had only... Don't! Okay? Oh! And there's something else I think you'd like. What? Zetsnach's Anahil Theater. The address is in the book. I think Monk knows the place. And if it's what I think it is, I believe it's somewhere we'd want to visit. Lottie started crying again. Ethel held her close like her mother had done so many ages ago. And for the first time, in a long time, she felt things really might just turn out all right. As the train hurtled through the night, they set their goal firmly in mind. 15 Walnut Street, Dexter, Kansas. And in that place, though I did not yet know it, I was sitting in my rocking chair, waiting for everything to change. Madam. Yes, Gerbrin. The device is ready. Shall I bring out the test subject? If you'll be so kind. This has been Soldiers in Slumberland, episode 2, Riding the Rails, presented by CKP. A program 